chapter 27. Well, blessing to see each one of you tonight and, and to be able to preach to you once again. Start off the week just right. Thank the Lord for that. You know, it's encouraging to me too, and I, I told them both this uh, today. I, I know that um, Jeff and Dustin have a lot on their plates right now with all of the chopping that's going on and the dairy, you know, pushing them to uh, get done and, and uh, beat the weather. And, you know, there's, there's possibility of some, some rain on Tuesday or whatever. And, and I know that Jeff's got a lot of uh, responsibility on his shoulders with all of these trucks and the choppers and trying to make the dairies happy. And, but uh, they were all here today. They were here this morning, and, and uh, that, that's an encouragement to see those guys take that stand and, and uh, give the Lord that and, and uh, appreciate them being here. Those, those things like that are truly a help and, and a blessing to me and to those that are watching and, and uh, just really appreciate them uh, doing that. And I'll never forget in the testimony that uh, one of Joe Hendrich's sons gave uh, at the funeral was that I can the 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 son said I can never remember a day that my dad worked on a Sunday. And he said even in harvest we uh, took that day and gave it to God and God God blessed them. And uh, Betty, we so appreciate you here today and and uh, we miss Joe. And, uh, but I thank God for those guys like that. Give that kind of a testimony and, and uh, praise the Lord for that. So uh, as we get into this message tonight in chapter 27, really goes along with the theme that we've had on, on Sunday morning about being happy. I mean, you, you, look, at, you look at David and, and you just see the attacks coming one after the other, just constant. Saul is after him and and he runs and he hides and and then Saul says, "Oh, I'm done. I won't chase you anymore." And then pretty soon here comes Saul again, trying to kill him. And 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 it just seems like ever since uh, David was was anointed king, that uh, obviously Satan wasn't happy with this, and so Satan is trying to to do everything he can to ruin God's plan. And then so he he's going after him, but. I also believe that God is allowing this to happen to uh, conform David into the image that God wants him to be in. And, and so it's just a constant struggle that, that David has had. And, and here we have again the, the example of this in chapter 26 where Saul has come one more time and David could have killed him, but David knowing that, that he's not going to raise his hand against the king's anointed and, or the, of God's anointed and, and He's not going to do that, and, and he's going to allow God to, to take him off the scene. And, and knowing that, who, who knows how long this is going to be and how long it's going to last. But, uh, and, and we have this, really, we have a great victory in chapter 26. We have, again, that David could have uh, killed him and, and uh, finished this off, but he chose not to. And, and I want you to go over to Psalm 27. And Psalm 27, I'm just going to read the first three verses of this, but, but uh, the historians believe that it's right at this time after he has just had this victory and not killed Saul and, and thinking that life is good and, 
And he writes this, and I just want to read the first three verses. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came unto me to eat my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. And so I see this, and, and, and I think of, of this great victory that, that David has had and, and how good that God has been and, and David writing this and thanking God for this victory and, and all the encouragement that, that God had been through this and, and David seeing that his life was spared again and God gave him this great victory and fulfilled his promise once again that uh, he was going to take care of him. And so he writes this psalm and then the storm doesn't let up. The storm just keeps coming. And it just keeps battling, and it, and it keeps standing up against him. And, and, and we, we get to this relentless pounding that we see in these first four verses here. And, and we can't really blame David for what he does. Because I do believe that, that we probably would end up doing the same thing. But I want to say to you that even when the storm doesn't let up, we need to do one thing. We need to keep going. We need to make sure that we are continuing to live for God and, and we need to look to His Word for that counsel. We need to look to His, His, His presence in our lives through the ministry of the Holy Spirit to, to look for His will and to know God's will in our life and to ha have that peace that He gives us as we look to His Word and, and and guard ourselves, because otherwise we can do the very same thing that David did. And it starts it off in verse 1, and David said in his heart. Oh, how careful we need to be. We, we need to understand that, that what went on in David's life is the same thing that could take place in our lives. And in Proverbs 27 and verse 19, it says... Um, 27:19 as in water face answereth to face so when you look into the water you're going to see your reflection makes sense right so the heart of man to man now whenever we give thought to this and knowing that water reflects the 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 outer person then we know that the heart will uh, reveal and reflect who a person is and and here we understand that, that the heart of David is the same kind of heart that we have. Man is man, and we need to be careful. And as we read this about David, and, and we look at the mistakes that he makes and the bad choices that he makes along the way, that we need to understand that as his heart is revealed, it also reveals to us what our heart can be and how careful we need to be. And, and and, and we know that, that David was not a sinless man. We know that, that he had his own struggles along the way. And, but James also reminds us, he, he, he tells us in James in, in uh, 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 chapter, chapter 3 and verse 2, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. And so as we give thought to David, we also ought to give thought to ourselves and understand and realize that, that as David made some bad choices, that we also can make the same ones. 
You know, even as Tony gave testimony tonight of this gentleman that, that he interviewed, and, and I thank God for place, uh, ministries like Rock of Ages Prison Ministry that goes into those prisons and preaches the gospel, and, and so many, you know, it, it's the world likes to do this, and yes, there are those that make false professions and find religion, as they call it, in jail, and, and I'm sure there are many that do that, but I also believe that there are many who are genuinely converted while they're in that jail cell. Because they understand and know how bad and wicked they've been, and, and they know that they're paying, paying the price for their sin at that time, and, and God uses that to reveal to them how that they can even in jail, that they can be free of their bonds, and, and that they can trust in the Savior, and so I thank God for people like Chuck Donnelly that go in. I praise the Lord for the heart that they have to, to see them uh, uh, saved and, and trusting Christ, and you know what's amazing about that is you turn over to Romans chapter 6 and you look at verse 11 and it says, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you realize that we can reckon, we can consider, that, that we can let one mind, one's mind dwell on the fact that we are dead to sin judiciously? judicially? Do you get that? Do you understand that, that whenever we as believers have trusted upon the almighty Christ who died on the cross and that he has forgiven us of our sins, that we are dead to sin judicially? I thank God for that. I thank God that it has been dealt with and that we have an eternal life and we have the forgiveness of our sins. Oh, how we ought to rejoice in knowing that and 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 knowing that that and and here he writes that in in Romans chapter 6 and and we can celebrate in that and and knowing that the judgment has taken place and that that those sins are forgiven and so we have dealt with that sin issue in our life and in knowing that we have now been forgiven however it doesn't mean that that old sin nature doesn't rise up oh does it rise up Oh, how ugly it gets. Oh, how many battles we have. And, and Paul even wrote about that in the very next chapter of Romans, chapter 7 and verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual. You see, the law shows us that thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not covet, thou shalt not steal. I mean, you can go through those and, and you can see in those Ten Commandments that, you know, Lord, you can just give those Ten Commandments and I really struggle with those. Because that old sin nature likes to rise up and, and the law shows us that, that, that we are dealing with a sin nature constantly. But I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. Oh, the battle. Oh, the misery that we have and battling this old nasty sin nature, if then I do that which I would not, I consent unto law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in, and, and get that, do you understand that? That sin that dwelleth in me continues to dwell in me. We're constantly fighting this sin nature. 
We're constantly fighting in our lives the, the, the things that, that our flesh wants to do that, that God is saying, don't do these things. And, and the law is pointing them out and telling them, telling us, don't do those. You are living a lie if you think that you are going to walk through this life and be perfect in your life while you're here on earth. There is a sin nature that raises its head and you are constantly battling against this sin. And it dwelleth in me, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity of the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. You know, there would be some of those wonder, wonderful theologians that are all messed up in their thinking that would say, when Paul was writing this, he was an unsaved man. Saying that he's dealing with sin. Saying that he ought to be able to walk a perfect life. Paul said, man, I've tried and I can't do it. I'm, I'm struggling with this just like we are today. We're plagued by sin just like David. We have choices to make, and, and here we see that David, that, that's the thing that, that I love about, about the Scripture. When, when God writes a biography, he writes everything in the biography. You can read a lot of biographies, and I was reading a commentator, and he makes a good point. He said, it, you can read a biography, but be careful of reading too many of those because most of the biographies don't tell you all the bad stuff. They, they don't paint a true picture of who that person is. It's kind of like Facebook or any, any of the other uh, 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 outreaches that we have, the, the social medias that we have today, and, and we just let people see what we want them to see. But boy, God, when he writes it out, he writes it all. And I'm glad for that. I'm glad to see that David had some struggles in his life. I, I praise the Lord that Paul wrote Romans 7, and, and it doesn't justify my sin, and I don't want to use it for that and say, well, Paul did, then I can. That, that's not at all. But Paul was saying, I don't want to do it, and I'm, I'm working on this by the grace of God to be something that God wants me to be and how we all need to be doing that and not using them as an excuse and justify our sin, but, oh, how we see that, that we're all battling this sin nature, and David was battling it as bad as any of us. And so he writes this Psalm 27 and praising God for his deliverance and thanking God for all of these things that had gone on. And then he sits down and he starts thinking about this and he said in his heart, oh, we know and understand. I know, I know I've already mentioned this uh, many times, but it's always good for us to remember. Remember Je uh, Jeremiah 17, verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. But I love verse 10, I, the Lord, search the heart. 
I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Man, I praise the Lord that God truly knows my heart. I, I praise the Lord that, that, and I am glad that he knows that my motivations. He knows that I, I can lie to everybody around here and, and you can think I'm such a good guy and God can know in my heart I did it for recognition and not for God at all. Oh, how he keeps us accountable. Oh, how he reminds us, don't trust your heart. You trust me. You do what I tell you. And he told David, David, you're going to be king of Israel. I'll make sure of that. I've had you anointed as my king. I'll take care of you. But David said in his heart, remember we looked at it a few weeks ago, in Proverbs 4 and verse 23, you remember what Solomon said? Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it come the issues of life. Oh, how we need to guard our heart, even as he was telling David to do so. And David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me that I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines, and Saul shall despair of me to seek me any more in any coast of Israel, so shall I escape out of his hand. You see, our flesh, our, our flesh is constantly wanting immediate relief from the pressures of trials. Always. Always do we want that immediate relief. And there are some times where God wants us to praise him through the fire. Look what he says over in Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 24. And, and, and here he is talking about uh, uh, Judah getting ready to be uh, taken captive. And, and uh, we're going to see some wicked things that are going to take place. And this is what he says in, in Isaiah chapter 24 and verse 10. The city of confusion is broken down. Every house is shut up that... No man may come in. There is crying for wine in the streets. All joy is darkened. The mirth of the land is gone. In the city is left desolation, and the gate is smitten with destruction. When thus it shall be in the midst of the land among the people, there shall be as the shaking of an olive tree, and as the gleaning grapes when the vintage is done. They shall lift up their voice. They shall sing for the majesty of the Lord. They shall cry aloud from the sea. Wherefore glorify ye the Lord in the fires, even the name of the Lord God of Israel in the isles of the sea. Oh, how he wants to bring them back. And, and he says, I want you to glorify me. And I want you to remember that I'm your God. I want you to remember that I said that I would take care of you. I want you to remember as a, as a nation that as long as you serve me, that you're going to have my, my, my blessings and you're going to have my power and my protection upon your life. And, and even as he said that to Israel and, and knowing now as a family of God that that we are grafted in and praise the Lord for the blessings that we have. And, and I know they're somewhat different than the Jews, but we know that Jesus says that I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He's given us the presence of the Holy Spirit in John 14, 15, and 16. And then the prayer that he gives to God the Father about us in John chapter 17, reminding us of who we are and, and oh, how we need to remember who he is and, and trust him and live for him and, and quit listening to your heart and start listening to what God's word has to say. What does it say? What does God say in his word? And, and what does he promise in his word? 
Don't listen to your heart. Listen to the Word of God. When we don't listen to the Word and and we start listening to our heart, we can do the very same things that David did. David was a man that was passionately in love with his God. And he still made some bad choices. And oh, how we ought to learn from him. And, And when he listened to his heart, what did he do? But he ran directly to the enemy. I, I look at this and think of how, how, how desperate he must have been. And, and, and so he says, and David said in my heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape into the land of Philistines. And Saul shall despair of me to seek me any more in any coast of Israel. So shall I escape out of his hand. And David arose, and he passed over with the 600 men that were with him unto Achish, the son of Maok, king of Gath. You know what I also see? Not only did David go, but he took 600 men with him. He took 600 men that were fighting for him, and these men had families, they had wives, they had children, and he took them with him. And in his choices, we see that He was jeopardizing the life of all of them. Turn over to Luke chapter 12. I want to show you something that God God tells us and reminds us of. And in Luke 12 and verse 41 through 48, it it shows us here. It says, Then Peter said unto him, Lord, speakest thou this parable unto us, or even to all? And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Of a truth I say unto you that he will make him ruler over all that he hath. But and if that servant say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to beat the men servants and maidens, and to eat and drink and to be drunken, the Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him, and at an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him under, uh, in sunder, and will appoint his, him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant which knew his Lord's will, and prepared not himself, neither, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not, and did commit things worthy of stripes, shall be beaten with few stripes. And here it is. Here's the lesson. For unto whomsoever much is given of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much of him they will ask the more. Do you understand? Now I start seeing why. Why, God? Why were you so hard on David? Because of that principle. To whom? For unto whomsoever much is given of him shall be much required required oh you see he wanted david to to be a passionate leader for the the country of israel and and he said and david that this country means a lot to me as a matter of fact it means everything to me and and they're my chosen people and and i have anointed you to be king of them and i've anointed you to be a king that is a godly king that will trust me and walk with me and and show my praises in your life and and in the lives of others around and and I want you to lead them in the way that you ought to to lead them to show them the the goodness of of all that that God has oh he reminds us also over in 
Remember in James chapter 3, and it talks about those who wanted to be teachers, and, and, he, and he says this in James chapter 3 and, and uh, verse 1, my brethren, be not many masters. Stop. This is a command, thinking that you ought to be a teacher of the scriptures, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Oh, there, you know, it's, it's kind of like, I, I chuckle at it, you know, the guy that that sent me the Facebook messages and, and, and said, after visiting your plush office, I, I want to go get a grant and, and, and I want to become a pastor like you so I can have a, a plush office and, and, a, and a, a, an easy job and, and good pay. And I'm like, get after it, buddy. Go ahead. But the thing that the world doesn't understand is, is the burden that is put upon a pastor and the responsibility that he has to teach and preach the Word of God. He will be held accountable for that one day. Oh, there's some young guys that are in colleges today. There are young men that are in the pulpits today, and, and there are older men that are in the pulpits today, and there are many flimsy crybaby sallies that are, that are heretics that are standing in our pulpits today and they need to understand that there's going to come a day where they're going to have a greater condemnation upon them. They don't preach and teach the Word of God. find it to be a sad day when you have to search hard to find a, a Bible-believing church. I'm not even talking about a denomination. I'm just talking about somebody that will get up in the pulpit and say, Thus saith the Lord in a congregation that's spirit-filled and says, Amen! Oh, we need that today. And David, you're going to be the king of, of God's chosen nation. Then you need to be right with me. And, and you need to trust me. And, and you need to take the promises that I've given you. And, and these psalms that you have written to me. And, and, the, and the glory. And, and understand that I will always be there for you. And David said in his heart. And fled of all places to the Philistines, one of the most hated enemies of Israel. And he hides with them. David dwelt with Achish at Gath, he and his men, every man with his household, even David with his two wives, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess and Abigail the Carmelitess, Nabal's wife. And it was told Saul that David was fled to Gath and he sought no more again for him. Don't even need to deal with Saul and his Sad report. But then we see the, look at the retreat of David in, in, in this, in verses 5 through 7. And David said unto Achish, If I have now found grace in thine eyes, let them give me a place in some town in the country that I may dwell there. For why should thy servant dwell in the royal city with thee? Now we can, you imagine, I, I, I can only imagine in his fear. So now he's going to try to justify this, but he gets there. And he walks into this city and, and, and dealing with this ungodly king who is worshiping some, un, un, some idol somewhere and, and they're living in some ungodly way. And, and David looking at this and seeing how, how they don't even want to recognize the, the God of Israel and, and, and they're seeing all of this and, and, and probably wanting to protect himself from some of that, maybe being repulsed already by what he's seeing and, and, and knowing that, that look, I, I, I'm here to hide, but I'm, I really don't want to be who you are and, and, and I don't want to be under your scrutiny all 
the time, and all I want to do is, is have some nice place where I can go and, and cower down and, and trust that the world is going to protect me while Saul is looking for my life. And, and, and so I'll just go to some small city out in the country somewhere, and, and I'll hide out there. That's what he's saying. Then Achish gave him Ziklag that day. Do you, do you realize that Ziklag had been given to Judah in the past? It was Judah's city in the first place. And here is the world said, oh, I'll give you Ziklag. You can go live there. Wherefore, Ziklag pertaineth unto the kings of Judah unto this day. Ah, oh, he went to the world and sought grace from the world. It was, and now you see that, that I'm sure that people could look at this and, and, and some of those people that followed him, they got there and, and it's peaceful and, and, and they start seeing good things happening and, and now they're going to start justifying what they're doing and how it must be right because we're, we're going to see that he goes in and, and starts taking a lot of these other cities around and, and killing a lot of people and plundering and, and becoming very wealthy. And, and so now I'm sure that there are going to be those that look at him and, and see all of this wealth of the material wealth that is there and say, oh, he must be doing the right thing. He must be because of all this material wealth and that obviously is a blessing of God. Oh, how careful we need to be that it may have looked that David was successful in his plan, but we need to understand that we don't judge God's blessing by just visible results, but rather we need to judge what's going on in our lives by God's Word and the adherence to it. And when we adhere to God's Word, we'll see the blessings come from God that the world may never see. We may start seeing people saved and, and giving their lives to God. We might start seeing some families say, hey, I want to get serious about serving God today. You start watching their families turn and and their children serving the Lord, and, and the couples serving the Lord, and, and you look at them and you see, man, they are going through, through some real battles in their life because all of a sudden now we see that Satan isn't very happy with them, and so now things are going to get a little tough, and now we're going to see the challenges of our faith that come while whenever we were living in our happy-go-lucky, living as a carnal Christian and, and living like the world and thinking, wow, my life is so much easier when, when I live like the world than when I live for God, and God God must be trying to punish me when I'm trying to live for Him and making it hard on me. And, and God isn't doing that at all. God is trying to make you stronger and helping you in your faith and showing you that this isn't your world and there isn't anything here that you ought to love and that you ought to dedicate all your life to, but rather you're going to live for God and you're going to do battle against Satan and it's going to come every day and the storm never passes and it's constantly beating down upon you, but you're not going to listen to your heart. You're going to listen to what God's Word says and, and you're going to apply that to your life and you will have victory and you will praise 
praise Him. And you'll see good things take place in your family that the world will look at that and think, well, that doesn't mean anything at all. There isn't anything there that we can weigh and judge and, and see that that's a blessing. And it really doesn't matter because you have peace, you have love, you have joy, you have, you have a family that loves each other. You have children that are growing up and understanding that there is something about serving rather than being served. And, and you're going to have a, have a wife that you love dearly and, and you're going to be willing to sacrifice yourself to, to help her and to help her grow and to be what she needs to be because you realize how much Jesus loves her and how much He loves you and you want to represent that love that God has for, for His church. And, and the ladies are going to be willing to submit to the leadership of their husband because God is going to be working in their heart and showing them that this false teaching of the world and, and being that independent woman has nothing to do with the Bible. And, and you're going to have all this peace in your life and, and you're going to find that there is such a joy in serving Jesus and, and serving what the Word of God says and believing what it says that it doesn't matter what the world says. And oh, how we need to get past this and think that we do not need any grace given to us by the world. Matter of fact, whenever thing, things get easy in your life, things are just plugging along and man, you're thinking, man, this is pretty good. Well, there's probably a reason why the devil's leaving you alone. And it's not that he's scared of you. That he's deceived you. You're just walking along and living in a carnal world and living carnally in your life and saying, hey man, as long as he's doing that, it's all good. We'll go pick on somebody else that's trying to live for God. We'll get them to do the same thing. Lose their power. Fall in love with all the things that the world has. And, and so here we... And at the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was a full year and four months. Hey, I'm not condemning him. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, where he went is the same place we can go. You know, I had a point brought to me today, and this, this, was, this was a good point. Faye brought this to me, and I was talking about, in connections, just a little bit about Lot. And I had never thought of this. But she said, you know, you give thought to Lot, and the reason that he and Abraham separated is because their flocks were too big, and they were fighting over the water and over the grass, so they split up. And that was what was important to them, is taking care of their flock, their, their family, their, their living, their, their, everything that represented God in, in their calling. Where was Lot's flock? when he moved to Sodom. You ever given thought to that? Where was it? Gone? Disintegrated? Blown up? Scattered? You know what carnality does to us? We lose everything that is important to us in our walk with God. Think about it. Lot lost everything everything. He lost his family. He, he lost his identity. He lost everything that truly mattered that God had given him, all because of his carnality. Oh, that's where David was heading. Now, I, the, the one thing that, that I love about David that 
it is always an encouragement to all of us is that tender heart that he had to come back. Lot didn't seem to have that. But David did. But here we go on, and, and so now we, we see the reduction of the enemy. But, and this might be some justification because of what he did, but, but it still doesn't justify breaking God's promises and trusting in the world. And David and his men went up and invaded the Geshurites and the Gezrites and the Amalekites. For those nations were of old, the inhabitants of the land. They were enemies of Judah. They were enemies of Israel. And as thou goest ashore, even unto the land of Egypt, you can go back in the history and you can see that every one of those that were mentioned should have been destroyed earlier. God had told them to be completely destroyed. David smote the land and left, left neither man nor woman alive and took away the sheep and the oxen and the asses and the camels and the apparel and returned and came to Achish. And Achish said, Whither have you made a road today? And David said, Against the south of Judah. Well, he wasn't lying, but he did go into the south part of Judah. But then he named some of the Jewish nations and the Jewish cities and people and against the south of the Jeremiahites and against the south of the Kenites, and, and now he lied. He lied on who it was that he was taken out. He was taken out the, 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 the ones that, I, I don't know that I'd necessarily call them friends of the Philistines, but, but they were like-minded like the Philistines, and, and instead he lies about who he took out. And David saved neither man nor woman alive to bring tidings to Gath, saying, lest they should tell on us, saying, so did David, and so will be his manner all the while he dwelleth in the country of the Philistines. And Achish believed David, saying, he hath made his people Israel utterly to abhor him. Therefore, he shall be my servant forever. You see, here's what I say, and I mentioned this earlier. There may have been some that was living there with David and looked upon what they had and saw the sheep now that they had and saw all the goods that they had and, and thought, hey, you know what? We're very successful. And God must be blessing us for doing this because of all these things that we have. But you know who's watching? God. God's watching David and David. David, you need to follow me. You need to hold up the banner. You need to let them know who you are. And especially, you need to let them know who I am. You need to live for me. You don't need to trust the world. And so what do we do? We live for God. We don't measure our success on all the things that the world measures success on. We measure our success on how close to what God's Word says, did I live today? That is success. That is what God wants us to do. You see, we'll, we'll move on later. And we'll see that all of these issues going on is still not over for David. Still got some lessons to learn. But we can rejoice. And he serves a merciful God who loves him, and who chose to use him, even with his failures, just as he does us today. Oh, how glorious of a God do we serve today. 
I thank God for that day, judicially, when I trusted Christ as my Savior, and Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, and your sins are not going to send you to hell, because your belief and your trust is in me, and you have guaranteed a seat in that place of heaven. Oh, how I thank God for that. How I thank God that even in my failures, he picks me up. He dusts me off, whaps me upside the head, says, don't do that. This is what happens when you do that. Now walk the way that you're supposed to walk and take somebody with you and help them to walk and be what they need to be. And we'll see God's blessings upon our lives. God bless Platte Valley Baptist Church as we follow him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for the attentiveness of the people tonight and even going over a little bit. We just thank you for your blessings and thank you for the preciousness of your word. Do a work in our hearts, Lord. I pray that you change us into your image more and more every day. And Father, that as we grow, that our heart reveals to others that it's a heart that has been changed. It's a heart that has been forgiven. And it's a soul that's looking forward to eternity. Help us, Lord, to represent you well in all that we do. And Father, I pray that you will stir in the hearts of each one. I pray that you will bless the fellowship afterwards, bless the meal afterwards, bless just the time that we have. And Father, as we go out this week, that you'll use us. Help us, Father, to be exactly what it is that you want us to be. We thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.